You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty God, we give Thee thanks for this Easter season and for the gift of Thy Holy Word. Open our hearts and our minds to hear Your Word, to listen to Your message to us, and to ponder the revelation of You as You are, as revealed through the cross and the empty tomb. And now may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts Be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, welcome back, those of you who were here last time, and welcome to those of you who were here for the first time. I hope it won't be the last. Steve and I um, have decided that what we really want to do in this season between Easter Sunday and the Feast of the Resurrection is to cover all of the gospel stories and the little bit in Acts about what happened during the glorious 50 days, the 40 days that Christ was on earth until he ascended into heaven after the resurrection. The first of our sessions, we talked about the women at the empty tomb and then uh, the disciples who went to the empty tomb and what they thought about it and what they understood and mostly what they did not understand. This week, Steve will take us through the stories on Easter Sunday of the first encounters with the risen Lord. So without any further ado, Steve, take it away. Thank you. Get this on. Um, John said we last week or two weeks ago, looked at just going to look for the tomb and look for, you know, the women came so they could prepare the body. Uh, They found an empty tomb. Some of the disciples, Peter and John, ran back. They saw an empty tomb. tomb. They weren't sure what was going on. Uh, And looking at Matthew chapter 28, that's where I would start, and um, there we had early morning the Mary and the other Mary went and were wondering how they were going to roll the stone back. They get there, there's an earthquake, the guard gets scared, trembles, and they leave. And they look in and they don't see anything. There's nobody. But there's an angel. And the angel, and uh, kind of partway through verse uh, 5, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come see the place where He lay. Then quickly go and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. 
And they came up and took hold of his feet, worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And then in John, we have the similar story, but a little bit more. In John um, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. Now, she stopped. Now, what had happened right before that was really a follow-up to what happened there in Matthew. They left. They went and told um, the disciples, and Peter and John raced back, saw it was empty. Mary apparently followed them, and so that's why she's there. She's weeping, stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. And then we have in Mark, and this in Mark is a section... um, It's in chapter 16, which is the end of Mark, last chapter. But the book that the the ending of the book that I'll agree upon was in chapter 8. Some early manuscripts have verses uh, 9 through 20. So, uh, depending on what you're looking at, it's probably in brackets or something to signify that. It's not part of the, the earliest manuscripts, but it is something that has been accepted as, let's make it available. Uh, a little bit more than that maybe. But the reason I want to read it is, it's because Mark here is affirming uh, in verses 9 and 10. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene and from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they had heard that he was alive and had seen had been seen by her, they would not believe. Now, there are two Marys in the um, first story there in Matthew. And, you know, who is that Mary? And there's a potential answer to it, and I'll get to that when we go to the um, talk about the road to Emmaus. But, you know, the Marys and Mary Magdalene 
was focusing on where's the body. She's looking at the grave. And at that period of time, Jesus had told the disciples, the apostles, the disciples, those that were followers, that he would arise. But what they just didn't quite get the pieces at this first point of what that meant. They didn't fully understand the magnitude. So when Mary comes and tells them, you know, Peter and John rush off to see if what she's saying is true, um, they find out it is empty. And then, um, you know, Mary recognized the voice and she, you know, fell to his feet and grabbed him and worshiped him. She was showing devotion to him. In John, he says, don't cling to me. And some versions you might have say, don't hold me. Don't hold me because I haven't ascended. It's not like Jesus was a spirit. There was a real body there. And it's more like clinging, you know. And I was thinking, uh, you know, thinking about a young child grabbing hold, say, of their mother's leg while she's trying to do something. They're clinging, but you can't do what needs to be done. Well, what needed to be done here was Mary needed to go to tell the disciples she had seen him. He had said, do these things. So it was like, don't cling to me because there are things that have to be done. And that is go tell. Because, you know, if nothing else, there's 40 days between Christ rising from the dead and him ascending into heaven. And so even though Jesus has taught them a lot, they got to go through the cram course now to fully understand what he has been telling them and for them to grab a hold of it. And as far as Mary not, you know, she looked in the tomb. She looked back. She saw the person she thought was the gardener. She's crying. Well, she can't, you know, think about crying. A lot of times she can't see that clearly. And uh, other times, you know, they didn't fully understand. She came and wanted to take the body to dress it. And there's no body there. So seeing Christ when what they're expecting is not quite what happened, she doesn't fully look at him. And I thought yesterday, if any of you watched some of the uh, memorial service for Barbara Bush, uh, Russell Levinson made the comment that apparently he was up in Kenny Bunkport and she was Barbara Bush was cleaning off some boots. And this person walked by and said, you look a lot like Barbara Bush. And her response was, a lot of people say that. Well, you know, it's the same sort of thing in some ways. You know, you look at somebody and, you know, maybe they, you think it might be them, but you're not sure. That's, you know, kind of here. It may help. But, you know, and then she turns back toward the tomb because that's what she's focused on. And that's not there. And then Jesus says something to her and she recognizes that voice and turns because it says she turned and she knew who it was. And so she grabbed and at that point knew. But, you know, her focus was on the grave. And, I, you know, you think a lot of times when you see people and a family member or a close friend or whatnot is, they're looking at the, the, the coffin, the grave or whatever. And they're not looking upward. They're, their sight is here, not there, upward. And that's where theirs was because 
the Jews as a group didn't fully understand what it meant for the Messiah was going to come. And as a result, they're looking for a body. They're looking for the Christ to come and save them, God's Messiah. But they were looking for someone to come and spare them from the Romans, that they could be God's nation and worship freely Him. And so, as I said before, when this person, Jesus Christ, appeared, it just threw her off key and whatnot. Um, And sometimes when you're crying at the death um, of someone, you know, it's almost selfish, particularly if it's a Christian brother or sister. They've gone on to a place that we ought to be celebrating that we want to be at. But we're crying about that loss to us, not the joy that comes from them. That's sometimes when people have wakes, they want people to celebrate. That's what we should be doing. John, I think you had some comments you wanted to make on Mary Magdalene last week. Just so. real quickly. Um, last week we had a really good question, or really a comment more than a question, about the fact that Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And as Steve read for us, we know that um, that's true. That's not just John putting some literary um, gloss on it because Mark tells us the same thing. Mary Magdalene was the first to meet Christ. Now, why would he come to Mary Magdalene? Why would he come to a woman? Um, I think that John, in the way he sets up his story, is giving us a very literary, almost like a playwright would do it. He, he has three actors on the stage. He has Peter, he has himself, and he has Mary Magdalene. And uh, each of them represents something important. Now, notice that in the other three Gospels, we get the story of the women running back from the empty tomb with the news that the tomb is empty and the angels or whoever have announced that Christ is not there, that He has risen from the dead. We don't see in any of the other Gospels what happens to the women after that. What do they do? Well, they kind of are they're out of the story at that point. But notice that in John, Mary Magdalene comes back. We know that because Peter and John have been the focus of the story at this point. They're inside the tomb and they're discussing what they see as they walk back home. And verse 10, the disciples going back to their homes. But then verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She was there. She had come back. She had followed them back. Now, I think that what's really significant about that is what it says about different types of people in the church. And this is kind of, I think, what John's point is. You see, Peter, every one of them do something that's really characteristic for them from what we know about them in the gospel. Um, Peter, the bold, incisive, decisive one, he rushes headlong into the um, into the empty tomb to see what's in there. John, who's a little bit more cautious and very you know very cerebral, he thinks through things. John is not the first one inside the tomb, but once he's in there, he sees it. He's the first one to figure it out. Mary Magdalene, who is um, we see her from time to time in the Gospels, and she's 
the devoted follower. So each of them is doing something significant. But I think for John, what's really important about Mary Magdalene being the first one to see the risen Lord is that um, is, is that she's just the devoted follower. Not everybody in this room, not everybody that we'll ever meet has the kind of um, boldness to be the kind of church leader that Peter was. And not everybody has the kind of uh, insightfulness to be a great theologian the way John was. Lord knows I don't. But everybody can be a devoted follower. And what really is interesting to me is that although they kept moving, you know, they, they would see it and then they would go. Uh, Mary Magdalene stayed. Mary Magdalene was still there in the garden. She was weeping. And it reminds us, I think, of what Isaiah wrote in chapter 40 of his prophecy, starting at verse 29. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We don't know what else Mary Magdalene did in the rest of her life, but we can be sure that this encounter with the risen Lord, the first one to see the risen Lord, changed her life forever. And that's something that we can all aspire to if we will wait, if we'll wait on the Lord. So that was my blessed little thought about that that was prompted by the really, the really, really good point last week about him first appearing to Mary Magdalene. Steve. Yeah. Later that day, and if you'll turn in Luke to um, chapter... 20, we will um, well, wait a minute 20 wouldn't be right 24 20 is where John is 24 is where Luke is um, starting in verse 13 that very day which would be Sunday, later in the day, two of them were walking to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who has not known the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man, our chief priest and rulers, delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. 
And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he, they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessarily that the Christ suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Just stopping for a few minutes to talk through it is, it's one of those things where, you know, thinking about walking down the, say, Jemison Trail or the Lakeshore Trail, just two people talking, and sometimes somebody will either be behind you or you'll catch up with and they hear you talking, and you may not know them, but one thing leads to another and they become part of the conversation. That's what it was. They were walking, they were talking, discussing some of the things. Now, it says one of them, the guy, answered. Now, you know, probably a little bit. You don't know who this stranger is and, you know, the disciples, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, they were kind of concerned about what was being said and what was happening because they didn't want the Jews to start coming toward them. You know, if you're going to wipe out a what they considered a cult... It helps to get rid of the leader, but you want to get rid of the ones that are closest to him so nothing is sparked. But, so he was a little hesitant. And so we're not, you know, you can understand that, but he's pretty bold in what he says at the same time too. Now, the other, his other companion could have been his wife, the other Mary. And that's in John 19, verse 25. It's talking about the women at the cross, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Copus, and Mary Magdalene. There's a little different spelling of the man's name, but there is some possibility that she's the other Mary um, because she was there at the cross. And, you know, we read just a while ago, it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. So she could have seen the empty tomb. But, you know, if you got this stranger coming up, you don't want to tell him too much until you know who he is. And, you know, it's hard for them to see. Now, you know, this one you could, in the case of Mary Magdalene at the tomb, you could say she was crying. She just wasn't focused on what she was seeing and thinking it was the gardener. But if you're sitting and walking with someone, maybe it's getting to be a little dark or whatever, um, you would have thought they might have recognized them, but at this point, they weren't allowed to fully see who their companion was. But he walked with them. And, you know, Cleopas said, you know, we were hoping he was the one to come and redeem Israel. You know, he was the one we were looking toward. We were the one they thought it was. And at this point in time, the Jews really thought that the Messiah that was coming was going to free them from the Romans and any other people that might come later to take over the country, free them in such a way that they could be a nation 
that worshiped God in the way that they had been taught to worship the true God. So, you know, things were not unfolding as they had assumed they might, even though, as I said, Christ had told them that he had, you know, the Messiah had to die and arise. They were looking for something. You know, so there in verse 21, he makes the comment about... um, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since things happened. Well, they were looking and hoping for there would be one to redeem Israel. Well, in actuality, he was the one to redeem. But he wasn't the one that was redeeming them from suffering. He was redeeming them through his own suffering preparing them for something that was new and that would come later. You know, if his death was a new beginning. His resurrection was the real new beginning. And, you know, one of the commentaries I was reading, it was talking about, you know, and we've heard it before, you know, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there with you also. Well, they were there. There was two. He joined them. And he taught them. He started with Moses and took them through the prophets. You know, he took them through what was the Hebrew Scriptures then and today of why the Messiah was to come, leading them that God had this promise and that the promise had been fulfilled. They just don't quite see it yet. And then they get to the village where they live, Emmaus. And so that brings us to... um, Verse 28, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So we went to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon, and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how... He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, we don't know where Jesus joined up with them in this walk, but if you're going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, it was about a seven-mile walk. Now, now depending on the speed you walk at, you can probably walk at a faster speed, um, say, maybe on the Jemison Trail or the... um, Lakeshore Trail, it's basically flat, it's easy, it's paved, there's nothing there. They're on probably a hard rock road, it's probably a lot more up and down, it's like probably walking in Vestavia maybe, as Vestavia Hills, as opposed to walking in the Mississippi Delta. But, so even if you said 20 minutes a mile, that's over two hours worth of walking. So, they could have had a long time to visit with Jesus and hear him expose the scriptures to them. 
And then like good Southerners, they invited him to supper. Which, you know, he'd been on the road, they'd been on the road, it was getting dark, so it was time to eat. And they did the, the friendly thing. And at this point, Jesus said to them, it broke the bread. So we have here really the first breaking of the bread. We have the last supper that we talk about, but the real celebration that we go through almost happened here in Emmaus. Because when he broke the bread, that's when their sight fully came back and they saw what was happening. And he disappeared. He went away. Now, we talked before and, and we talk about this. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't like Casper the friendly ghost coming through doors and exiting through your doors. He was a real body that was risen. But he left them. And they said, you know, we can't hold this in. We can't take a nap after that long walk we had and go do another seven-mile walk. They hurried back, and probably if it took them two and a half hours to get back home, it probably took them less time to get back to Jerusalem. And they found the disciples, and they shared with them. And it wasn't just the eleven. It was other believers that were part of that close group of disciples that had followed Jesus. And they wanted to share what they had seen and heard. And here again in Mark, at the end of Mark, we have where I uh, commented before about Mark talking about um, Mary Magdalene having seen him. We have verse 12 and 13. After these things, talking about Mary Magdalene, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest. But they didn't believe him. Here again, some of that lack of belief was it wasn't fitting the understanding that they were looking for, even though they'd heard Christ, as I said, they were looking for somebody to redeem them, not only from the Romans currently, but other invaders. So they were, what do we say and do now? <coughs> now continuing there in Luke in verse um, 38. No, wait. That's next week. Let's go back to John. In John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the the disciples, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. We'll finish the rest of that later when we get into another one of our Sundays. Um, I'll read it though. Um, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
but here to focus on him appearing to the disciples. So very specifically, John is telling us it's on the first day of the week. Well, Christ arose on the first day of the week. And so they're meeting together. They're scared of the Jews. They're scared of what's going to happen. If the chief priests and the elders would turn Christ over to the Romans, what would they do to them? Could they be next? So they had the door locked. It was at least closed. Now, Jesus knew where they would be meeting. It's possible, you know, some tradition says they were back there in the upper room, but wherever they were, Christ knew where they were. And he came in among them. And he greeted them, peace be with you. We do a peace each week. Um, and what he's saying here, all good be with you. You know, it's peace. Just relax, so to speak, almost as he goes through. But he showed them his hands and his side. Now, they had seen what had happened to him two days, three days before. And so, when he showed them his hands, he showed them his side where he had been pierced. Now, these wounds were healed. It's a new body. But they see. So it starts coming to them a little bit more. It's, you know, each piece that first we had Mary, then we had the two on the road who had come back and told them what had happened. Now, here's Jesus appearing to this group. So it brings them back. Here again, it's a Christian assembly. It's open, but it's not. You know, in in countries where Christians are persecuted, they meet in hiding. They're meeting for their safety. But they have the Holy Spirit with them. And I know um, it's been some good while back in the sermon, Andrew was talking about how the government in Nepal was outlawing Christianity and anybody that was caught preaching the method, gathering to hear um, the message, would be thrown in prison. And if they were a non-citizen, they'd serve their term and then be shipped back to the country they came from. Well, they were doing that same sort of thing. But what happens in some of these countries where Christianity has been totally outlawed, they meet in private and Christianity just explodes. So they were meeting and this is this, you know, that's the beginning of Christianity really taking hold because Christ comes, they see Him, they know that that's the risen Christ. And their message through the rest of the gospel is what's brought to us. Next week, a little bit ahead, but next week we'll talk about some of the disbelief of some of them and how they got through that. Any comments, questions? John will be glad to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say a word of prayer. Father God, we thank You that we can come together, that we can come and worship You that Your Holy Spirit is here with us and goes with us wherever we may go. We just pray that we would be open to that message and all that we do. In the name of Your Son, Amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.